So, I believe, guys, there's a same challenge today that there was during the first Palm Sunday. A willingness to throw everything in your life down for Jesus. Okay, and I want to connect a passage this morning from Acts chapter 4 with Palm Sunday. So if you take a look here with me at chapter 4 of Acts, look at verse 32. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart. So this is after Pentecost. The Spirit of God fell. People were believing upon Jesus. And it says here that as they believed of one heart and soul, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And isn't that just a God thing? Because that type of mentality, it ain't going to come from ourselves. That's going to be a working of the Spirit of God within us. I'm not my own any longer. <laughs> All I have is not my own. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you, what do you want to do with me? What do you want to do with the stuff I have? How can I use it for your glory? And these guys came together and had that heart. And I want us to look at Matthew 21. I have that up on the screen. I don't have it up on the screen. Here it is. Matthew 21. Look at verse 7 and 8 with me. And there's a connection here. They brought the donkey. Okay, This is the donkey that Jesus was about to ride on there into Jerusalem where they would be crying out that day, Hosanna, okay, save now. They were hailing Jesus as king, okay? So they brought this donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the ground and other cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And that's why today is referred to as Palm Sunday. So on Palm Sunday, not only did some place their clothing on the animals a saddle, some threw their robes on a, the ground as a gesture of reverence, indicating their willingness to give everything to Jesus. Even if you wanted to trample their property, <laughs> if you so desired. What a neat picture of the heart of these people who came to worship Jesus that day. So, my question for us, for me, <laughs> is are you willing to throw everything in your life down? Are you willing? Anything you're not. This is where it kind of gets real. You know, the scriptures tell us that we're no longer our own. We've been bought with a great price. We have given our lives to Christ, right? We've accepted him as what? Lord and Savior. <laughs> you're my God. You're calling the shots now. So are we willing to throw down all that we have, no matter what he chooses to do with it. I'm yours. Whatever you want. You guys see, on Palm Sunday, the church, we begin to celebrate Jesus and what he did at the end of his journey, okay, his last week upon planet Earth. And it was a very busy itinerary in his final journey, which he had started nine months earlier. He 
ministered at least in 35 different locations, even timing the journey at the end to be in Jerusalem, right at Passover. You see, the Passover now only a few days away, throngs around him, everyone spreading news, talking about him. The religious leaders were counseling with each other, figuring out how to kill him. The Roman soldiers, special forces, they were on heightened alert, right? Threat level orange, terrorist threat, okay? The Messiah talk, we got to stop this. We can't let this happen here. We can't let the people hail Jesus as king because Caesar is king. This must stop. So do you kind of see what was taking place 2,000 years ago on Palm Sunday? Would Jesus make a move? As the pressure mounts, Jesus took a definite, calculated, premeditated, and purposeful action. He carefully ordered everything, the day even to the hour, okay, in which he selected this countdown. It was with precision. He chose the first day of the week, Sunday, Palm Sunday, for this triumphal entry, which would participate his, uh, precipitate his terrible death that would come just a few days later on Friday. And was this by chance, guys? Do you guys know that Palm Sunday, April 6, 32 AD, was prophesied in Scripture? Hundreds and hundreds of years before. God spoke through the prophet Daniel and told us the day this would happen. And Jesus, everything he's been doing is coming to this point, this day, this hour. Very purposeful. So we pick up some of the same theme this morning, that God works through definite, calculated, premeditated, and purposeful action. Do you guys believe that he's still on the throne and in control and has a plan and is doing his thing? Absolutely. Let's take a look here at verse 23 and 24 in Acts 4. And being let go, they went to their own companies and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice with one accord and said, Lord, if you are God, okay, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, By whom the mouth of your servant David said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, they were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose is determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where They were assembled together, was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. 
Isn't that a cool passage of scripture? Man, God answering prayers immediately. Now, a little context, okay? We think about these guys. Peter and John were just being released from jail. And what peace upon their release from prison, okay? And who was there once they were released? Their friends. Their companions were there. And everyone ought to belong to the best possible company, okay? And that's the church. I truly believe that. That is you, brothers and sisters. It is this community that God has formed. For we are the only society that has God as founder, Christ as Savior, okay? has the qualification for entrance by the blood of our Savior Jesus, right? It has deep human fellowship, reputation for best work that's done worldwide, Okay, when things happen, when wars break out, when hurricanes hit, who are the first people there? It's the Christians, right? And a guarantee that it's going to last forever. Hosea! Now that's, whoa! the Lord. I mean, talk about a great community, right? Okay. <laughs> we think about our children and the worth that they have within the community of God, within the church. Okay. They are valued. Why? It's because of Jesus. Do you guys know that Jesus gives value to the community? Do you guys know everywhere the gospel has gone throughout history in the world? Freedom is found. People are set free. Women are liberated. Children have value. That's Jesus, guys. And that's why his community doesn't compare to any other earthly community. There's something special here. And that's why we're called not to forsake the assembling together as believers. We are called together to love each other, to serve each other, to love God together. So we think about these brothers, Peter and John, being released from prison. And where do they go? They go to their church family. What a blessing when they're able to gather together again. So there are many things that unite us as humans. We can think about things that will connect us, right? A lot of things. Music's a biggie, right? Okay? We go to concerts. Yeah, I enjoy concerts. How many of you guys love live music? It's really cool. How much cooler live music is when it's a bunch of brothers and sisters worshiping the king. Those are the coolest concerts I've ever been to. But music will bring people together. Art brings people together. Literature, similar you know, political views, ideas, principles. It's a bird's feather flocking together. We have here before us in Acts 4 this account, this report given that the church's prayer of gratitude here for God's deliverance. They came together to thank the Lord. You see, Peter and John just were freed from an overnighter in jail, released because you know, of the people, the pressure and the healing. You guys remember the paralytic was healed there. 
And they were warned, hey, we're going to let you go, but you don't preach Jesus anymore. <laughs> and they said, what? We must. <laughs> we ain't going to stop talking about Jesus, okay? So let's take a look again at verse 24, and I want us to catch the fellowship, the relationship that takes place in their prayer. So when they heard that, what did they do? They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, jump down to verse 31, we just read all of that, but it wraps up by saying, and when they had prayed, the place that they were assembled together was shaken, for they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So I want us to note from verse 31, this was about prayer and not protest, guys. Did you catch that? This is what the church is called to do. We are called to pray. Oh, we, you know, we protest a lot of things, but we are called to pray. And if we go back to verse 23 together, it doesn't say that being released, that they gathered together, rallied together, stormed the fortress, then wrote a letter to the editor of the Jerusalem Post. No, I don't see that here. What did they do? They prayed. Guys, I desire to cast a vision to our church body. And I don't want to be about a vision that I have, what I want. The vision needs to be, what does God want for his people? We are to be a people of prayer. Is not my house a house of prayer? Christians, we need to be praying. We think it's going to be something else that's going to fix the problems. We pray. We see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. We see it in the book of Acts here. God's people pray. And when they pray, watch out. Something I enjoy doing is studying church revival. Because you see God's faithfulness. He's not done. Some of us say, God's given up on us. Where is he? Why doesn't he step in? Why is this stuff still allowed? Why are people being killed? Why are we killing babies? Why are we as a Christian nation turning our back on God? And we think if we just do this, we work harder and do it that way, then we'll see change. But as I study throughout history, guys, every great revival, every great liberation that's happened, there's been a neat move of God. And it only can be accounted to him. But you know what was taking place before God moved in radical ways? The people of God were getting together and praying. You guys can study it out yourselves you will always see that there was a remnant of God's people who were on their knees crying out to God. What if my people would pray? What if we humble ourselves, get over ourselves, our rights, and pray? What would God do? They didn't protest, they prayed. They gathered together and they appealed to God. So their reaction against the world was, hey, Pray for the world. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Some of us think we do. (laughs) 
It's all their fault. It's that leader. He's the problem. Nope. <laughs> we pray for the world. We pray. And we don't pray that God would just kill them. Pray that God would save them. So the early church, they were a bunch of spiritual activists. Activists, do you say? <laughs> yep. But they were spiritual activists. That's what we ought to be, Christians. I have nothing wrong with that. But let's do it God's way. I want to share a quote with you guys by A.R. Torrey. He said this, Pray for great things. Expect great things. Work for great things. But first and foremost, pray. And I think if we did foremostly pray, we'd be doing a lot of things differently. Would you guys agree with me? Yeah. How many times have we said, oh, man, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I blew it. <laughs> I wish I would have prayed about it first. Right? We know that's how God works. That's his method. Let's pray. Now I want to look at verse 24, second part of it, because now we find fellowship in adoration. Lord, you are God, you who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And then verse 28. Because you're God, you can do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. So they depended on prayer and they directed it towards a sovereign God who made everything and can do everything. Isn't that a cool perspective for us to have? Because a lot of us are tripping out. Well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? God's still in control. He's still on the throne. What are we tripping about? We're tripping because we're not praying. Because if you go before his throne of grace in time of need, you're going to get some perspective. You're going to be able to see clearly. So I also want to note, guys, this starts with adoration. Did you catch that? Often our prayers sound like this. Hey, our Father who, you know, is heaven or is in heaven, you know, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, right? Yeah. And then we throw a little in the name of Jesus on that. <laughs> our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. We start with adoration. We start with prayer. When we pray, we thank God. We adore him. We glorify him. We praise him. So adoration before petition. I'm going to wrap this up here. There's a threefold reason to adore God. Okay, We can do that by you know, looking to the Father, God the Father as creator. Okay, Do you guys know that his creation is a good thing? Okay, God created and what he saw was good. You know, we do live in a fallen world, but guess what? There is still good in this world because God created it. Yeah, we may be fallen, but guess what? God can redeem. He makes whole. It's his business to make things new. That's what he does. So we can adore him as creator. We also can then look at Jesus, okay, as the atoner, right? can thank him for that. And also, God is the one who is predestined or predetermined. Okay? Nothing takes God off guard. Isn't it kind of cool? 
God knew that we would be here, that you would be here this morning. He knows what's going on. Okay, isn't it cool how God got your attention, how Jesus crashed into your life, how his grace found you? Some of you might still be fighting against him, but wow, <laughs> he's loving you. You're hearing truth. The Holy Spirit's stirring in your heart, okay, opening your eyes. But are you going to humble yourself and bow the knee? That's on you. But God is at work, desiring none to perish. So what we read here in Acts 4, you guys, your homework, read Psalm 2 later today. A lot of this is taken from there, which really is Psalm. You guys know the Psalms are songs? It's a beautiful song, okay, while they were being attacked. So why do the Gentiles rage, the nations rebel? You guys ever ask that question? Why do they? What's going on? <laughs> it's because they seek freedom without God. That's the problem. A lot of freedom to be got out there, but I see a whole lot of people, even within the church, trying to gain that without God. It doesn't work that way, guys. Another quote by a man of, <clears throat> by the name of Frosty says this, the purpose of life is not to find your freedom. The purpose of life is to find your master. Are you at peace with your maker? That's what this life's about. Being at peace with God. There's nothing like it, is it? How many of you guys have gone through some really hard things in life, but the peace of God is just there with you? Isn't that just the coolest thing? It's just like, man, this is a complete mess. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, what's going to shake out, but your peace, I just can't explain it. I know you're here with me. <laughs> And I know you got me, and you got the situation, God. That's the coolest thing. That's what we have in the Lord. We have a beautiful freedom. When you know him, you are free. You are truly free. And there's nothing like it, but you can't find true freedom without God. Authority demands submission. Authority demands submission. I want to read to you Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus speaking. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Wow, what an invitation, huh? God Almighty, come to me. <laughs> learn from me. I'm gentle and I'm lowly. I love you. My heart is for you. You have worth. This world is a mess right now. Even outside of the war and a virus, morally, intellectually, socially, politically, economically, ecologically, you know, people we're in a mess and it's because we've defied God that's why so history shows that Gentile nations have rejected God's word God's Christ and God's people they're kind of like these little proud Nebuchadnezzars running around 
who want their own way, but they refuse to admit that God rules in the affairs of men. Do you believe that God is in control? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to submit to his authority? Because a lot of times we think praying is telling God what to do. That's not how it works, guys. Prayer is a conversation. Let's talk, God. Part of that involves some listening. What is he saying? What is he asking? And then, are you willing to submit to what he's asking? So the world is trying to drown out the truth. Its voice of defiance is very clear. Over the noise of the nations, let's listen to the assuring voice of God. Amen? So I want you guys to be purposeful in taking inventory of the voices that you're listening to. Because there's a lot of voices out there. The world's saying a lot. I even see within the church, <laughs> well, this brother says this, and this brother is saying something totally different. <laughs> Who's right? I'm to the point, I don't care. <laughs> God, what do you think on this? <laughs> what do you say about this? Because this might sound good. This might over here even itch my ears a little bit, maybe align a little more to my opinions, but none of that even matters. What do you say? And that's why we need to be in prayer, guys. So take an inventory of the voices that you're listening to and get into the word, okay? Because our minds will be renewed. Let's wrap this up. Jump down to verse 29. Here's a little more fellowship we find now, and it's in their petition, okay? Finally, now we come to the asking part. Verse 29, now... Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So we see here, God is absolutely sovereign. They ask, hey, stretch out your hand to heal. <laughs> see, they already acknowledged that your hand, your plan was active in your predestination of the crucifixion of Jesus which means they are aware of the hand of God, which brings about horrible things like death, okay, of the Son of Man. But it was for a good end, wasn't it? Aren't we here this morning most grateful? And that's the most horrific thing that's ever happened in history. You nailed, you, you put to death the King of Glory, your Creator, you hate God that much that you're going to kill him even though no fault could be found in him? All he did was speak truth, heal, love, and serve? We're going to kill the best man who's ever lived. But our God turns it for good. 
And that's what we see throughout scriptures, guys. Ordinary, painful things in the lives of God's people, and God uses it for good, for his plans, for his purposes. But they're here, they're now on from this adoration to petitioning in their prayer. And here they're asking, Lord, with all you do with your hands, oh, use it to heal and to bring about signs and wonders and to confirm your word. So did you guys catch the threefold request here? Okay, it's not for their protection. Did you guys catch that? Don't pray for our protection. You guys may hear of prayer requests from brothers and sisters who are in communist China. I have friends there. They don't ask that we pray for their protection. What are they praying for? God, give us boldness. Help us to speak the name of Jesus where we're not allowed to say his name. Help us to share your word where your word is not allowed. Give us opportunities, open doors for us to shine. That's their prayers. And here, what do we see these guys praying for? It was for boldness, for healings, and signs and wonders. And the threefold result, did you guys catch it? It happened right away, right? As the assembly, they were shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and boldness was granted. Wouldn't it be cool if we prayed and that we would be filled with the Spirit in such a way we'd be bold with the gospel, that we'd walk out of this place talking about Jesus boldly. You need to hear, and not just because it's Holy Week. The reality is today is the day of salvation. Every single day, salvation is available to anyone who will hear and believe. So now, Acts 4, is this a prayer meeting or what? Wouldn't it be cool? If we got together and prayed and things began to shake, it's great to make things shake down here, but it's even better to make things shake up there. Praying in such a way, guys, that, man, things are changing. God's on the move. And is that possible? Absolutely. I've seen that in my life time and time again. But I want to see more of it because that's our God. It's not that we're going to change God. God has his plan I often find when we praise the people of God, when we really humble ourselves, we're the ones who do the changing. God's already on the move. It's just, do we want to be a part of it? Are we going to come alongside? Yeah, I'm on board. Let's do it, God. Let's go for it. So their prayer was immediate, united, unselfish, undaunted, and scriptural. So we, may we be first to respond with prayer and not protest guys i believe this is the way of jesus and this is vision that i believe god has for our church family let's be a people of prayer and yeah he may move us to do things but we're going to be in step with him we're going to be hearing from him so pastor when can we pray together come a half an hour early every sunday we pray together We've been doing it for a long time. I'd love for you guys to come and join us in that. I mentioned before, men, we need to be praying. Okay, let's get together. I love this passage out of Nehemiah. Look at verse 14. 
It says, and I looked and I rose and I said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your, house, your houses. And I think, how do we fight, guys? We fight on our knees. <laughs> we pray. Men, we're called to lead. We can't expect the church to be praying if we're not praying. I encourage you guys, come out on Saturday mornings. It is fruitful. It is good. God speaks. And sisters, third Saturday of the month, 8 a.m., it's just an hour. Come, pray together. And I can't stand Facebook. It frustrates me. But this is one of the coolest things I think they added. Have you guys seen that in our Facebook group? You can actually request prayer on Facebook. I'm like, how cool is that? A platform that's kind of anti-God allows things to be being prayed for, right? So you guys can go to our group. I know some of you guys are newer to Freedom Fellowship. We have a closed group on purpose, okay? The world can't see everything that's going on there because we want to be able to share with one another. Hey, this is what's going on. I could use prayer or I have a need. We can share in there. So I'd encourage you guys, if you're not, I know a few of you are only on Facebook to be a part of our group, which is cool because we can share what's going on if things come up. Anyways, you can go in there, you go to create a post, and then you can just put something in there. Like I put on there, please pray that hunger for studying the word or the gospel uh, would form among us so that we can guide and guard one another in it. Okay? That's a good prayer for the church, right? And wouldn't it be cool instead of just me praying that for the church? Like, hey, let's all come around this and pray because this is good. This is healthy for our church family. And then they got that little thing, add to your posts, and you hit that little button there, ask for prayer. Boom, that's going to go up to the top of the group, and everybody is going to see it, and then we can pray. Pretty cool, right? So it's cool that we can do that online. I personally like praying with people better than just, how many of you guys would agree? Okay, well, we just threw out a few times a week. What if I want to pray today, but there's not a prayer meeting going on at the church what do I do? Pick up your phone and call a brother or sister and say, hey, you got five minutes to pray with me? <laughs> Just pray together. It's not that hard. So be praying. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that this morning. Just encourage you guys. Let's be a people of prayer. Sound good? Because that's one of those simple things that God has asked us to do. Acts 4 or 2.42, right? Okay. Let's be a people who are in fellowship and who are praying together. And I don't want you guys to forget, Friday night, Seder, 5 o'clock, you guys can come have uh, a meal with us, and then we'll have a service at 6 o'clock. Sound good? Cool. Why don't we stand to our feet, and we will pray. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. And I would ask, we would ask of you that you would stir our hearts up to uh, be a people of prayer, that we would be in tune with you, that you would grant us by your grace a listening ear, that we would hear clearly uh, what you would be speaking to us individually um, and also corporately as a church family here. God, we know the hour's late. We want to be in step with you. We want to be given to your business, Lord. We want to encourage 
one another in the faith all the more as we see the day approaching. So pray that you give us ways uh, just to be able to speak and encourage one another uh, in the faith, God. That we <coughs> would be prompt when you put something on our heart. Maybe it's to call a brother or sister and uh, to check in or to pray together or making a point to make meetings where we can gather together and pray in your name, Jesus. I pray that you'd stir us up, God. I know it's not a natural thing. Our prayer is supernatural, but it's something you asked us to do. So I pray that you would do a great work uh, in us in that way. God, and we do thank you that you are the God of all peace. And we just pray that as things in this world are just getting crazier and crazier, it seems, um, we'd be able to just continue to lean in on you, God, to be trusting you, obeying you, and sharing the hope that we have in you, Jesus, with this world. There's so many people who are hurting. Father, anxiety is flying high. People are depressed. God, and we have answers. Lord, it's you. And we thank you for how you love us, God, how you are there. So please, I just pray that we would do those things that honor you and please you. God, establish us. Give us wisdom and understanding. Lord, we're looking to you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen.